This is deprogramming from the Universal Media Network. For, for many people, particularly in, in this country, thinking about religion is kind of counterintuitive. It's, it's almost something you're not supposed to do. What was your first idea of God, Henry? Let us have faith. Let us have faith. Because there is no God. What was your first idea of God? Let us have faith. Because there is no God. And how about you, Trudy? What is your idea of God? Let us have faith. Let us have faith. Uh, what was your first idea of God? Well, I couldn't exactly say. Good, hello, and welcome. It's All In Your Head FM. And whether you're listening by accident or designed, Stay tuned right here for the truth about truth. I'm Dr. Oslo Norway, CEO and President of One World Advertising. Here tonight with Negative Land to bring you It's All in Your Head FM, a specialty skeptical broadcast format from UMN. As President and CEO of One World Advertising, it's always been my job to tap into the human psyche and identify its unconscious desires. Our recent report on religious preferences around the world speaks for itself. Since that report first blasted through the psychic landscape of America, the It's All in Your Head movement has, and quite understandably in my opinion, spread like an avian flu virus, even taking hold in parts of the globe as far flung as, if you'll excuse the expression, Turkey. And that's just the tip of the beak. What am I talking about? To put it simply, it's all in your head, and the headites who believe it, endeavor to counterthink the supernatural monotheism of the world's religions in all their fundamental forms, and broadcast that counterthinking into today's heads, wherever they may be. Yes, there's never been a more important time than right now for a radio network like this. Overwhelming worldwide demand to investigate the mysterious stranglehold of monotheism has led us to bring its all-in-your-head FM to the centennial state for the first time. And it's just in time because technology marches on and the last great wave of independently helpless radio is about to wave goodbye. That's right, you heard me correctly. Radio waves goodbye. But before it goes, there's just enough time for one last shout outing for that old guy they tell us made radio possible in the first place. 
the good Lord God Almighty. Tonight, Negative Land has joined together in pseudo-musical fellowship to spend the time we have left, reminding the world that when it comes to God, just like radio, humans invented it. And it's all in your head. You're listening to It's All In Your Head FM, putting the less back in Godless. matters of religion and belief and meaning the deepest things that come from the deepest part of our beings we reach to symbol we reach to poetry we reach to art to try to begin to articulate what those things are and I think that we have to acknowledge that we're in this realm when we begin to talk about those and if we take the symbols and don't acknowledge that they're symbols then we get into this trouble if we try to make them facts, you mean? Were you ever puzzled about God? We all are in this cultural trance. Um, yeah, that 90 to 95 percent uh, of Americans who believe in God, you can break that down. Not everybody believes in the Judeo-Christian God. There's actually a, a sizable minority who believe in uh, sort of a higher spirit of some generic kind, not necessarily a personal being. When Stephen Hawking says, we'll know the mind of God, he, he doesn't mean the Judeo-Christian personal God who we can pray to. He means this, the cosmos as a whole. And to me, the, the, what really turned me around when I was a born-again Christian to, to, that really challenged me was the idea that there are so many different kinds of gods and different kinds of gods. And Religion takes people in very strange ways. So much of it is not rational and uh, very fearsome. Different kinds of gods. and So much of it is not rational and... Uh, very fearsome. There are so many different kinds of God. So the real question about the second coming. And, and if we, you know, do a show of hands of your listeners, how many believe in Zeus or, or, or these different kinds of Greek gods? Well, they'll all be atheists. So the difference between, between me as a non-believer and them as a non-believer is that we've, we've all dismissed all these other gods except this one monotheistic god. Clearly, this is a historical, culturally determined concept. Clearly, 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 this is a historical, culturally determined concept God and religion is. If tolerance means that I can have convictions that my view is true and it's valuable for me to communicate that to somebody else, but if they don't want to listen, they don't have to listen. Is God a we person to you, Henry? We can engage in a meaningful discussion about who is right and who is wrong. Freud called religion an illusion. Instead of using name-calling to silence the other person, you mean, you're intolerant, you think you're right, so go away. 
What is God seem like to you? Well, I don't know. God. God in religion is clearly, clearly, clearly a historical, culturally determined concept. God in religion is. Is God a question to you, Henry? No, something more like a, a thing. Freud claimed religion is an illusion, but our science is not an illusion. Darwin had shown us that we descend from monkeys. The Copernicus has said we are not the center of the universe. And Freud was saying, come down from your heights, human beings. Uh, you are not as great as you think you are. You have to save yourself from your delusions. You are full of sexuality, you are full of hatred and lust and envy, face yourself. I am going to save you from those delusions. Is God a person to you, Harold? No, God is not a person. I think this is really a complicated moment. Thesis of how we believe is that humans are pattern-seeking, storytelling animals. It is almost impossible for us to look out at nature and not find some sort of pattern and then tell a story about it. That's what myths and stories are all about, is giving some meaning to the pattern. Now the question is, is the pattern real or not? The one best method we have for determining that is science. And, you know, only in America with a conversation like this consistently be brought back to this need to prove God. Look, you can't prove it. Let me just say it as clearly as I can. There are no proofs of God. May I? Whether there is a God or not, nobody knows. We'll find out, I guess, in the end. But in the meantime, as storytelling animals, we continue to spin stories about our world, and the scientific worldview is our story for today. No! Kant, Immanuel Kant, Bertrand Russell said, we don't know the intrinsic nature of the physical world. The intrinsic nature of the physical world is just revealed to us from the outside, from how it looks, from how every physical particle affects every other physical particle. But what's it like in itself? What's the thing in itself? Kant said, one natural speculation is that intrinsic nature of the physical world has something very deep to do with consciousness. This leads to what philosophers call panpsychism. Oh. I don't think uh, panpsychism has, I, I mean, my, my own view is uh, consciousness is good and something special about human beings and it's not everywhere. I mean, that's the cool thing about it. It's not everywhere. Uh, it's, if it's a fundamental, it would be matter is every, electrons are everywhere. Uh, you know, consciousness just hides in very special brains. Well, Barclay would say, have you ever seen anything without consciousness? Well, that's true. But no, that's every time you see something, you're conscious. Well, that's right. But consciousness goes where I go, where minds go. But minds aren't everywhere. Do we have, don't have any minds. Do we really have any record of any observation of uh, uh, of anything that didn't involve consciousness? No, because the observation was conscious. Uh, you're getting spooky on me. I think we've got to uh, end this conversation because uh, before I get really weirded out... This is the Universal Media Network. It's all in your head, FM.
Well, friends, where can I begin? After reading One World Advertising's report on religious beliefs around the world, something in me just snapped. That just happened. But nothing happened. And then it came to pass that during some of the spare time I am constantly burdened with, I finally decided to confront the God concept head-on and become the founder of a new and unmusical spiritual philosophy called It's All in Your Head. As I saw immediately, and as you'll soon find out, the logic of this mental realization was, is, and always will be irresistible. Once you realize the role your head is playing in all this, you'll never go back to thinking otherwise, believe me. Good idea. So, before I knew it, everyone sharing my summer beach spread in Malibu, including Negative Land, started calling themselves headites, eager to spread headism via any medium that would have us. <clears throat> the only one that would was the nearly forgotten medium of broadcast radio, now on its last tower legs and finally desperate enough about FCC-free satellite radio and podcasting to publicly entertain the concept that there is no God just to get listeners. Good idea. UMN thinks like this. Right now, showing people that something usually thought to be as important as God is actually non-existent will bring people back to radio's fabled nothing-to-see zone and rekindle the golden age of plus-six ratings. How do we do that and do it by the next fiscal quarter? Well, Oslo, we're going to do it by offering listeners in-depth analysis, which proves the extreme likelihood that there simply isn't a supernatural patriarchal personage called God. Instead, Headites encourage increased funding for in-depth study of the human brain, the metabolism of thought, and especially the unique organic mystery of human values, things like having a conscience and morality and most importantly, perhaps, sinking our brain's teeth into the neurological basis of mythologies, past and present, used to symbolize the spiritual capacity that has typified our evolving human intelligence over 200,000 years. We've sure got a lot of broadcasting to do. Think about it. It's all in your head, FM, forever. You're listening to It's All in Your Head FM, monotheism but in stereo. Let us have faith. Let us have faith. Let us have faith. Let us have faith.
but in point of fact, since the Neanderthals until now, uh, we have a choice of many, many cultures' notions of what the afterlife is. And the amazing thing is that they don't cohere very well. Each afterlife design, each culture designs what it thinks is important for its afterlife. Uh, and they don't necessarily have any relationship to other people's afterlives. Your heaven in the sky. The funny thing is that uh, Americans' near-death experiences confirm our notion, our relatively optimistic notion, that we're all going to heaven. How about your heaven? But if you look at near-death experiences over 2,000 years of history, you find that most often in the past they were fearful experiences which people experienced going to hell. And when they uh, recovered from it, then they changed their lives and became good religious people. Uh, it seems to most Americans that we don't need to do that. Most of us think we're living just fine lives. And, uh, and so we experience heaven. When we have these experiences, the I think it's a normal part of human of the human mind that we do have these extraordinary experiences. No. Uh, there's a book called Why God Won't Go Away. It suggests that we are, in a sense, wired to have these extraordinary experiences. Uh, in which our religious life is innovated, uh, and we find new ways of expressing what the afterlife is about. So I think of these notions of the afterlife, which are produced by societies, and only recently by individuals, after all, uh, as kinds of mirrors in which a society takes stock of itself. And asks itself, what is the most important thing about ourselves? And so I think that that is a very important thing to realize. whether any one or another of particular portraits of the afterlife is true, they tell us one thing or another and they all have to be believed with a grain of salt. But the strange thing about fiction is that you can believe it entirely. In fact, you have to believe Hamlet entirely in order to understand what the play is about. So my feeling is that history always tells lies, but since we're, this is fiction, we can safely believe it. I'm in heaven, and my heart beats so that I can hardly see. Let us have faith. Let us have faith. Let us have faith. Let us have faith. Unfortunately, 
in our world today, you hear all these different things about there's different ways to get to God. But Jesus himself said, I am the way and the truth and the life, and nobody gets to the Father but by me. So if you accept Christ as God's Son, he's either the way or he's not. Sounds pretty exclusive. Christ is the only way. We have learned to take personal testimony at face value. If somebody stands up and, and offers searing personal testimony of some awful personal experience or some alleged abuse, we're not supposed to question that. We're not supposed to seek evidence of that. We're not supposed to cross-examine the person who's testifying because that's considered another form of abuse. We're supposed to take that at face value. And there's a lot in the culture that encourages us, I think, to confuse passion and, and apparent sincerity of belief with truth. But since we're, this is fiction, we can safely believe it. I and apparent sincerity of belief with truth. Those who actually believe, accept, walk with him in faith, they are the ones that will be in heaven. The people that will be in heaven are those who have invited Christ in. I'm going to be there, are you? Well, when do you think of God, Douglas? I think of God when I'm lying in bed, Miss Parker. It makes me feel better. I seem to go to sleep faster. majority of Americans said the number one reason they believe in God is the good design and complexity of the universe. But when you ask them, why do you think other people believe in God, here it gets interesting. The good design of the universe argument drops way down to sixth place. Shooting up to number one is emotional need and comfort, whereas when you ask people why they believe, emotional need and comfort is way down on the list. So what we have here is an intellectual versus emotional difference in why people believe. Most of us think that we come to our beliefs, all of our beliefs, not just religious beliefs, political beliefs and, and so forth, for rational reasons. That is, we feel we have to give logical arguments and rational reasons for why we believe, but we know that other people have not arrived at their beliefs for those reasons. We, and in actual fact, we all arrive at our beliefs for other reasons, usually other than intellectual reasons. So we attribute then to other people motives different from our own. When you say there, where do you mean? There is a sense, I think, in Christianity, as with other religions, 
that somehow Christians are better than others. What do I say to Muslim or other non-believers? I would invite an Orthodox believing Jew, look at your scripture. I would never put down somebody else's faith, but I would certainly try and encourage them to look critically at Christianity and at what they believe. And if they will, I think God the Father will bring them to a conclusion that Jesus Christ is the true and one way. After you die, you're... So do, you, do you believe in God? No, of course not. Why would you take a religious book and say, oh yeah, these, these have got to be true, this makes sense, when the people who wrote that book thousands of years ago, they were just superstitious and they didn't know how the world really worked. Have you ever used God's name in vain? Have you ever used God's name in vain? Yeah. That's called blasphemy. What's your name again? Travis. Travis. For I'm sure that humans are not masters in their own house, that to some degree we are ruled in an unruly way by unconscious forces outside of our awareness. Psychoanalysis has taught us that our intellect is a feeble thing, a tool of our instincts, and that we are all compelled to behave cleverly or stupidly by the commands of our emotional attitudes. Philosophy is very important. I mean, it's, it is my religion. Philosophy is my religion, and I take it as seriously as a Christian takes his religion. Philosophy, to me, is the objective of trying to understand yourself, understand the universe, understand your place in the universe. And it's to understand what exists, what exists, how does it work, how does it work, what do we do about it now, what do we do about it now. And that, to me, is very important. It's something everyone should pursue. It, you know, I think people should abandon religion, abandon religion, and pursue philosophy, pursue philosophy, and pursue it the way Socrates and Aristotle pursued it. Uh, with questioning, questioning, with trying to find out what the truth, trying is. to find out what the truth is, and constantly questioning, constantly questioning, checking the fact what the truth is, trying to integrate everything into a coherent worldview, trying to integrate everything into a coherent worldview. God makes your mind work. But isn't there a huge arrogance in all this that, you know, God is beyond definition, beyond pigeonholing and describing fully? It's, any, it's any, not. Any definitions are provisional, and to say someone else's understanding of God is simply wrong could well oh. be a, a spiritual arrogance. Well, um, only from those who are relativists. Um, I'm not a relativist, I'm an absolutist, and I believe that uh, Jesus Christ said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Now, if I am a follower of Jesus Christ, who am I to say that I'm not going to put myself under the authority of the teaching of Jesus Christ? It's not arrogance, it's um, submission to the lordship of Jesus Christ. You know, I, I know that in a modern relativist a syncretistic age, the exclusive claims of the traditional Christian faith uh, jar the ear. 
uh, jar the ear. jar the ear, but that doesn't make them wrong for those who are loyal followers of Jesus Christ. Whatever religion, Christian, Christ, Hebrew, Catholic, there's only one God. One of the greatest remaining mysteries of science is the enigma of human consciousness. What makes us who we are creates that sense of the self and the world. Understanding how the brain creates the self is one of the holy grails of modern science. Well, you don't have an answer. One of the greatest remaining mysteries of science is the enigma of human consciousness. Well, you don't have an answer. And it made Freud realize there were mental processes that go on very significantly outside of conscious awareness. He puzzles about hypnosis. How is it that I can affect a human being's mind without his consciousness? Well, you don't have an answer. What goes on here? that there's a powerful influence without the knowledge and the cognition of the patient. Everyone has heard of a heart attack, but what about a brain attack? Well, you don't have an answer. Ah, oh, well, that's because God made it that way. We've got to think about epistemology, the way we know things, how we know things. Well, that's because God made it that way. It's just a dreadful way to conduct religion, and it's also doomed, because it means that the more things science is able to explain, the, the smaller and smaller part of the you know, unpainted part of the floor is left for you, this, this poor God that you've created, to, to occupy. Uh, that doesn't, you know, it just seems silly. It's the path that one is drawn into when you start trying to use nature to prove God's existence. This is really fun. The way we know things, how we know things. This is really fun because you can make a jello mold that looks like a brain. I think statistic that people have come up with and from various points of view is that we're one quarter conscious and three quarters unconscious at all times. What would you do? What would you do? What would you do? What would you do with a brain if you had one? Do? Why, if I had a brain, I could. I could warm away the yellow. Burn away the flower. I just pray over this equipment. We speak over the PowerPoint presentations, all of the video projectors. We're one quarter conscious and three quarters unconscious at all times.
Uh, it was dogmatism that split us in the first place in the 16th century. It's dogmatism, this whole notion that there is a truth that is the truth, it is the eternal truth and the unquestionable truth. We learned at the end of a telescope that it got us nowhere. The brain is shaken inside the skull. One quarter conscious and three quarters unconscious at all times. And that both are functioning together in tandem with, with self-knowledge, without self-knowledge. Unconscious is just another part of the brain that's operating. It's not some mystical We're not force. Just brain. No, it's not a mystical force, but it's, it's unconscious. We can't know it in the same way. People experience uh, connectedness to the world and to others and have these transcendent emotions. But does that say anything about the existence of the supernatural or is that just a phenomenon that we as human beings experience? Take pictures of people's brains while they are sleeping. Uh, researchers who study intelligence and different human capacities, the big, the big hot new area is to look at the impact of, of the emotional on the intellectual and to see how much those two processes go together. I mean a, a naturalism is my philosophy that all all phenomena have natural explanations. There is no supernatural, there's just the natural and stuff we can't yet explain. The concept that our conscious brains actually have receptors that both respond to prayer and also lead us to sense that a presence is with us at particular moments. Our medical technology allows us to track the area of the brain as it lights up with electrical activity. The notion here is that we, not God, are in effect cre creating our own response unwittingly, thus tricking ourselves into believing it is coming from elsewhere. explanation for why people have these these experiences of a sense of a presence in the room a presence of God or aliens or ghosts or lost loved ones that have died and come back to visit us is that the, the, the left temporal lobe coordinates all the brain uh, modules together into a sense of self you feel we all feel like a, a single person I don't have multiple pe people in me I'm just one and by, by messing that up, by bombarding the right temporal lobe, what Persinger does is he creates a sense of two selves in the brain. Now, the brain is not capable of sensing two selves, so it senses one self and another self in the room, another presence in the room. Now, what that will be interpreted as depends on your culture and your experiences. People four or five hundred years ago experienced incubi, succubi, because they lived in a demon-haunted world. People a hundred years ago experienced spirits and ghosts because they lived in a spirit-haunted world. The kind of world we live in is an alien-haunted world. We live in a world filled with X-Files and, and Star Trek and Star Wars and all these uh, search for extraterrestrial intelligence. We're obsessed, obsessed with alien, uh, the idea of alien intelligence. So, of course, we would interpret these uh, anomalous experiences, these senses of presence, not as demons, but as aliens or gods, because we've always believed in gods. The 
matter what the religion, no matter what the religion, no matter what the religion, no matter what the form of worship, prayer makes certain regions of the brain light up like this. in a special and unique way. Like the frontal lobe right behind the forehead like this. focuses concentration. Like this. The limbic system deep in the center like triggers this. feelings of awe and joy. The parietal lobe at the back of the brain brings on that feeling of becoming part of something greater than oneself. But the limbic system can be a, a place where fear is stored, but it can also be, as we're learning now, a place where that faith is stored as well. I think they're trying to find, is there a scientific basis for faith? Why do we bother it? It's controversial, Why it's difficult, it? and out of all the different kind of faiths, is this something that binds us together? Do our brains, no matter our faith, all seem to light up the same way? And does something change in the brain when someone is faithful? Well, you're, I mean, I mean, I mean, I mean, I mean you're a neurosurgeon. What do you make of these, these brain scans showing the brain responding to prayer in a particular, very unique, unique way? I, I think there's something there. The researchers asked members of three Christian groups to say the same prayers for about two-thirds of the patients. The findings show that prayer had no effect, but engineered drivers that worked well. The leakage problems improved, and most importantly, telling patients that someone is praying for them might increase their leakage problem. your head FM, Dr. Oslo Norway here. In order to counter the misguided persistence of the supernatural God concept, we have embedded its All in Your Head FM inside show business itself as an advanced jock trooper single-handedly attempting to point out monotheism's cosmic misconceptions from here inside media's herd of electronic sheep. 
where thank you where we can shear through the lip-serviced faith in unsupportable supernaturalism that forms the foundations of all present civilizations as we know them it's all in your head fm is a philosophical radio club wielding the well-worn but seldom adopted theory that there actually is no god no God as first imagined in polytheistic pantheons full of them, and no God as later boiled down to an unimaginably lonely oneness. But rather, that all such supernatural God concepts have been the confabulated personifications of organically operated spiritual impulses within us, and us alone. There is a universal need in our whole species to connect with something spiritual. This need has been along for the ride in every human brain as an innate and inescapable neurological function in this species for some time now. There's no getting rid of it. This supernatural, this spiritual inclination in human intelligence is probably as useful as it is mysterious. But the head-eyed observation of a supernatural god being a purely mental condition will probably continue to be contested by today's fundamentalist homo sapiens every place we go, as It's All In Your Head FM tours apprehensively around the known world. Why? Because we boldly propose to rethink all their proprietary supernatural spirit hunts with a mighty righteous focus on common humanity, common sense, comparative mythology, epistemology, and the state of our neurological sciences. And this goes for anywhere we go, regardless of whose regional god we may find ourselves subjected to. We're doing some... No microphone problems in Jesus' name. There we go. And we warn you, we must be doing something right. Our conversion rate, if you will, is high amongst almost all demographic groups within our surface reception areas here in Boulder, for instance. So we must caution that if you too choose to join the It's All In Your Head movement and become a headite yourself, well, don't expect open-minded throngs to exactly beat a path to the tr drilled doorway in your trepanated skull. Violent resistance to this kind of crazy talk can occur even in your own home. To eject the supernatural god concept, even if you're hanging on to a lot of the timeless human wisdom that is still found under that label, is to forsake society's accepted cultural glue. And getting your own head stuck on our more reasonable inlook may actually make others think that you are falling apart. No mental glue. <laughs> well, stuck all that, we haven't and you won't. Because it's all in our heads. And your heads, FM. Responsible, receptive, reusable. This is the Universal Media Network. KGNU. It's all in your head, FM. It's all in your head, FM. Putting the fun back into fundamentalism. Look with me to high mountains, cast 
Let us have faith. Let us have faith. And then tell me again, there is no God. There is no God. See with me, on his many colored leaves. Let us have faith. We all are in this cultural trance. why you necessarily need God in order to have morality, which is, I think, what's at stake in, in this discussion. That in order to really have a mature spiritual life, you have to move beyond God as the parent in the sky. I think it's almost inevitable that you start out there uh, as a child, because that is your model of an, of an authority or a caregiver or providence. But I think if you're really going to become a, a thinking person of faith, you have to realize that that's a childish vision of God, the best you can do at a certain point. And then you have to move beyond that to something way different than your daddy. Yes. And how do you do that? This is really if I hadn't believed it, I wouldn't have seen it with my own eyes. If I hadn't believed it, I wouldn't have seen it with my own eyes. I'm a fan of Freud and a fan of his arguments, but just because you wish that something is so doesn't mean that it isn't so. What Freud's saying is that if you look at the data and you want to take the most parsimonious uh, approach to things, come up with the simplest theory, he'd say, well, maybe instead of saying that a God's there, it makes more sense to say that these are universal human wishes and the best explanation as to why people around the world come up with different conceptions of God is because there's this universal need for explanations, comfort, uh, order in the face of chaos and disorder. What puzzles you most? What's the best thing you can say about faith? Not a lot. Um, I mean, I, I think faith is pernicious because it teaches people, especially teaches children, um, that believing something without evidence is a, is a virtue. Don't think. Uh, I think it's a bit pernicious because I think that children should be taught to seek evidence. Accept what is. They should be taught to be skeptical. Accept what authority says is true. If they're told something, they should immediately say, what's the evidence for that? Don't think. Uh, whereas faith teaches you not to ask for the evidence. Accept what is. It teaches you this is true because it's true because it's true. Accept what authority says is true. You just have faith and you don't have to justify it. Don't think.
I think it may be the power of it may come from getting children early. If you're taught from the cradle upwards that certain things are true, you're taught that it's a virtue not to question, you're taught that uh, if you start to have doubts, then you must pray to overcome your doubts. You're taught that if somebody comes along to you with plausible arguments to the contrary, then that's probably the devil speaking. It's a very cunningly planned, I don't, I'm not sure it's deliberately planned, it may have sort of come about by a sort of gradual evolutionary yeah. process, but it looks as though it's very cunningly planned to immunize children when, when they grow up against all departure yeah. from faith. There is a sort of um, wishful thinking element about that. I mean, op quite obviously in the case of surviving after yeah. death. Because um, it might be very nice to survive after death, but, but what's nice isn't necessarily yeah. true. And, and there are people who can't distinguish between what they would like to be true and what there is any evidence is true. Uh, and That I think might apply also to morality, where people feel, I, I think wrongly, that um, you cannot have a moral society without religion. I don't think that's true, but even if it were true, it wouldn't mean that the, uh, that the existential claims of religion were true, just because they make people moral. And as I say, I don't actually believe that they do make people any more moral. This is It's All in Your Head FM, and we now turn our heads and yours to Viewpoint, where members of our listening community air their faith-based opinions on a variety of topics. Tonight's Viewpoint is from Dr. Harold Camping from Family Radio of Boulder, Colorado. The cartoon... Uh, good, good, good evening. Uh, am I on? Okay, great. Uh, Good evening, I'm Father Harold Camping from Armed Forces, Forces uh, Christian Radio of, of Boulder, Colorado with a guest opinion. And now let's go back into history a little bit. 
Billions of years ago, there was just a big bang in space. No one knows what caused the big bang, it just happened. And from this bang issued a huge rock. And on top of the rock was found a sweet brown bubbly substance. And over millions and millions of years, aluminum crept up the side and formed itself into a can, and then into a lid, and then into a pull tab on top of the can. And then millions of years later, red paint, blue paint, white paint fell from the sky and pulled itself into the words, 12 fluid ounces. Do not litter. And you say, Dr. Camping, you're insulting my intellect. Well, so I am, because we know that if a can is made, there must be a maker. And if it's designed, there must be a designer. To believe the soda can happened by chance is to move into an intellectual free zone. It's, it's to have an echo when you think. It's to have brain liposuction. Well, think about that the next time you're enjoying your soda. I'm Father Camping of Family Radio of Boulder, and I thank you for this guest opinion. The views expressed on Viewpoint in no way resemble any viewpoints held by the Universal Media Network, Negative Land, or It's All in Your Head FM. And after a deposit of two cents may be returned. This is the Universal Media Network. something coming up out of blind nature, but something coming down from the world of light, power, and knowledge beyond all nature. Somebody looks at the complexity of human life 
and says, given enough time, anything can happen. Another looks at that and says, given enough time, anything can happen. Another looks at that and says, a complex design like this, I wonder if there was a, a creator or a thought designer behind this. Okay. Are you familiar with the little quip uh, that million to one odds happen eight times a day in New York City? It's Never. the law of big numbers. There's enough stuff happening out there. There's enough particles, there's enough forces. The sun is burning, it's putting energy into the system. That's of course we generate complexity scientifically out of, make uh, sense. Out of chaos. <laughs> this is called emergence, uh, the principle of emergence. Out of, out of chaos emerges complexity. Without any designer at all, all you need is energy put into the system. That's it. It just happens spontaneously. Now, as, as pattern-seeking animals, it's impossible for us to think, it can't just happen. There must be somebody behind the curtain pulling the strings. Behind the curtain pulling the strings. Somebody behind the curtain pulling the strings. But, 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 but there isn't. But, 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 but there isn't. If we go back to the beginning, we shall find that ignorance and fear created the gods, that fancy, enthusiasm, or deceit adorned them, that weakness worships them, that credulity preserves them, and that custom, respect, and tyranny support them in order to make the blindness of men serve their own interests. If the ignorance of nature gave birth to gods, the knowledge of nature is calculated to destroy them. So I'm only one of the many Darwinian biologists who believe we understand the meaning of life. What? 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 The meaning of life. What? What? The meaning of life. What? 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 What is the meaning of life? The meaning of life is um, life is a, is a is a series of machines which are programmed to propagate the instructions that built them, the hereditary instructions that built them, and so. That's the biological meaning of life. I hasten, I hasten, I hasten to add, that's not, of course, the, the meaning of life for you and me. Love and family, family life and, and, and uh, whatever, whatever it is we do, whether it's writing books or, or listening to music. But the, the reason you're in the world is the biological meaning. Given that you're in the world, then you can make life mean whatever you want it to mean. In the timescale of the age of the universe, our human origins take up a tiny fraction. To illustrate this, let's compress the age of the universe from 15 billion years to the present into a single year. So the Big Bang happened at one second after midnight, January 1. And our galaxy, the Milky Way, started around May 1st, our solar system on September 9th, the Earth on September 14th, 
and life began about September 25th. Plants evolved about November 12th, the first vertebrates on December 19th, and the first dinosaurs on Christmas Eve. Mammals appear on December 26th, birds on the 27th, and the first humans at 10.30 p.m. December 31st. Our first civilizations began in the last 30 seconds. It gives us pause to reflect that paleontologists are trying to fill in the last 30 minutes, which represents three to five million years. And now, once again, it's time for America's number one nature program, Wildlife Tonight, with your esteemed host, Dr. Oslo Norway. Dr. Oslo Norway here uh, with a shocking remote from Wildlife Tonight. Right now, we are going live to Wildlife Tonight's Buck Logic over at the Denver Zoo, where Buck is going to demonstrate why there never was any Adam and Eve. Buck, are you there? Buck? Buck, are you there? Yes, Oslo, this is Buck Logic with Wildlife Tonight. And where could you find more wildlife tonight than the Denver Zoo? <laughs> We're here in the zoo's new Stinky Monkey House, a generous endowment from the Simeon M. Stinky Estate, makers of stinky shoe stretchers. And here with me is Chuck, the night shift monkey man at the Denver Zoo. Is that right? Uh, well, yeah, something like that. You can call me. Chuck. Well, we appreciate you letting us in after hours to do this, Chuck. And if you're ready now, uh, uh, please bring in the monkey. I, I, are you sure we should do this? I, I don't want to lose my job or oh, something. Oh, like it's that. all right, Chuck. I checked with the city council. They're all Darwinian. Well, all right. Uh, and here comes Chuck with a chimpanzee. Hold still. Good girl. We'll do it right on the table there. Careful. Uh, get, get him up against the armature. Yeah, I'm working it. Tie those straps securely. They can take your face right off. Yeah, all right. I think I think it's down there now. Yeah. Uh, so what we're going to do right here on Wildlife tonight is shave all the hair off this chimp from face to feet. Chuck is now spraying the restrained chimp all over with Gillette's new Tough Guy Shaving Gel, and uh, we're going to begin shaving this chimpanzee's entire body clean of all hair. Uh, I believe this is another exclusive for Wildlife Tonight, and it's all in your head, FM. Although, I must confess, I don't see why no one has done this before. Hold on, almost Chuck is not too passive. Chuck is... Uh, having a bit of trouble with the chimp now and uh, eh, rapidly shaving his body and it seems to be a little discomfort, but come on, we've all shaved, doesn't actually hurt that much. Yeah, hold on. Yeah. Now we're seeing some real skin here. But we're doing this full body monkey makeover for the first time anywhere because I bet, well, I bet none of you listening out there have ever seen a shaved monkey before in your life. Think about it, I'll bet never before. And you know what? There's an important reason why you've never seen a shaved monkey before. And it does not include protecting the dignity of the animal. That's just an excuse. Nope, you've never been allowed to see it because it is a shocking, almost unbearable testament to our own intimate link with animal evolution. Hold still, you little... Hold still, The chimp appears very angry. It's, uh, it's strapped in a standing position to a sort of a crucifix-style armature on the table there. 
and trembling a little under the restraints. Be gentle, Chuck. Poor thing. You know, I'm making such a mess with this little cheap plastic razor that you got for me at the... I'm going to have to switch to something else. Oh, Chuck is, uh, Chuck is now going electric for that thick back hair. And by the way, what's his name, Chuck? Oh, oh no, this isn't a boy, champ. This is a girl. We call her Cherry. Cherry? Oh, yeah. Cute breasts. Yeah. Uh, be sure to get all around her private parts, too. I want to completely shave Cherry. I'm trying. I'm... Wow, that makes her very angry. Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. She doesn't like that at all. We're almost done. Well, we're sorry to have to put this innocent chimp through this, but it's simply necessary to create a greater good for all of us. Sort of like testing cosmetics on it. Yeah. Uh, Chuck's using a Jumbo Gillette Protect Tough Guy Razor System on Cherry, and uh, perhaps it should have been a Lady Protect, but seems to be working just great. From first shave to last, always a smooth shave with Gillette. And I uh, guess in Cherry's case, uh, this would be her first and last shave. But uh, when this chimp is entirely shaved, everyone will see for the first time why we are truly all brothers to this sister under the skin. Chuck is now finishing off her face and neck. Uh, just leave a head of hair like us, that's all. That's all right. No mustache, it's a girl. Great, great, that's it. And uh, here comes the hose. Rinsing her all off now. And there you have it. Look at that. Wow. Amazing. I don't believe it. Creepy, but amazing. Yeah. That's it. Get her out of the straps there. Turn her around. Keep turning her, Chuck. That's it. Amazing. Truly amazing. I think you'll agree. Wow. She looks just like my kid. <laughs> I realized this in rehearsal. Once you see a monkey's full frontal bare skin anatomy, something we have never been allowed to see, it's so strangely like our own anatomy. Just different proportions in the parts, but all the same skeletal and muscular structures. It's, it's like an organic revelation. All right, Chuck, you can remove the shaved chimp. A wonderfully telling demonstration. Thank you. Yeah, good girl. And uh, don't worry about Cherry. We have a little skirt sweater for her. Well, what can anyone say? Truly a Wildlife Tonight revelation. And for God's sakes, if there was one, what more need we be? That's it, nature's clock is ticking. Thanks to Cherry the Chimp, Chuck the Monkey Man, and the Gillette Shaving Corporation, now in your face with the Protect Maximus 2 Jet Shave System. I'm Buck Logic. Now back to Dr. Oslo, Norway's brain, and it's all in your head, FM. That's it for Wildlife Tonight. Now there's a couple of guys with plenty of pluck. They never get stuck in the muck. Good luck, Buck and Chuck. Tune in to Wildlife Tonight next week when Plucky Bucky will lower himself into the African lion cage at the Denver Zoo to prove his theory that there is no God to protect him. Much more to contemplate from It's All in Your Head, so stay tuned. You're listening to It's All in Your Head FM on... What the hell is that? What is that? We interrupt this program. The Office of Civil Defense has issued the following message. This is an attack warning. Repeat, this is an attack warning. 
Attack warning means that an actual attack against this country has been detected and that protective action should be taken. Important instructions will follow in 30 seconds. this program. Oh. The Office of Civil Defense has issued the following message. It's the weatherman, it's okay. This is an attack warning. Repeat, this is an attack yeah, warning. Yeah, right, attack warning means... Attack warning means that an actual attack... That an actual attack against this country has been detected. Uh, God, I got all this mucus. God damn it, I gotta blow my nose. Wow. Well, I wasn't expecting this. Who gave this to you? Yeah. Well, I've just been handed a cable, which reads... Um, can you hold it up there? Yeah. In compliance with uh, Universal Media NetWeb and FCC regulations, the uh, It's All in Your Head FM will temporarily leave the air for security adjustments. Uh, you are advised to remove your blindfolds as you visit the well-stocked merchandise arena and the restrooms. Uh, we will return to the air in approximately uh, 10, 15 minutes. It's Negative Land on KGNU Boulder, 88.5 FM, KGNU Denver, 1390 AM. We're at 93.7 FM in Netherland, around the world, at KGNU.org. We are not under attack, but we are bringing you this special rebroadcast of a live performance from Negative Land. It's all in your head, FM. Recorded before a live audience on December 2nd at Old Main on the CU Boulder campus. We'll return now to the second half of It's All In Your Head FM, Negative Land's live performance from CU Boulder. Listeners, we're back, and we're still It's All in Your Head FM. Dr. Roslo Norway here. Sorry for that interruption. Welcome back to the final hour of It's All in Your Head FM. 
now under new management. Islam. Islam. You're listening to It's All in Your Head FM. We're all Mohammeds now. Islam. 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 The five pillars were revealed to the Prophet Muhammad in the Arabian desert 600 years after the birth of Christ and recorded in the Quran. Now, a fifth of the world's human beings are Muslim. God is perfect. 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 and great Islam literally means surrender to lie down in peace before the will of Allah the one God but the intent of Islam is to create justice in this world to unify the temporal and the spiritual God is isolated really for almost 800 years in the desert you have either uh, day or night you have uh, cold or hot you don't have these shades even the music is only one string and that has kind of polarized the, the way of thinking it's either black or white uh, it's either you're with me or against me There's no doubt uh, Muslims believe that God does want human beings to surrender to his will. God is perfect. So we can say Islam is perfect because God is perfect. And therefore, those who have not surrendered themselves to God's will are seen as uh, opponents, if you will, to God. If anybody said anything different than the Quran, the Quran have to win because the Quran is the word of God Almighty. In Christianity, in Judaism, their creed or their aqidah doesn't make the clearest sense. Whenever the word Jew appeared in Quran, I always thought they are the people who have been cursed by God. These guys had the message and they faltered. 
You've got the message now. Don't falter with it. I start hating the Jews. Is this a case, as with other great religions, where you can find a justification for your tactics of the moment? I'm sure. I'm sure. Like in, in all other religions, not only in religions, any book can be misinterpreted, misread. There is a verse in the Quran, religion in the sight of God is Islam. Some have seen this verse to mean that if you are not a follower of Prophet Muhammad, then you are an enemy of God. Quran do talk about self-defense and your right to use violence or aggression. These things have been twisted. You get politics involved, you get cultural baggage involved, and you try to interpret things that actually are very clear. People like Osama bin Laden, likewise. People that call themselves Muslims and practice terrorism can easily misinterpret a verse like this. The Quran actually not telling me to hate the Jews. It was the teachers who was telling me to hate the Jews. All Muslims are haunted by texts. The greatest text of all being Quran, then the other text in Hadith, which is all written. Then we have the Sharia, then we have the Fiqh, and we have an attitude towards that text. It is a very controlled attitude. We call it tafsir, we call it exegesis, we call it commentary, and the fuqaha, the religious scholars, have the right to actually comment on it. We also are very keen on certainty. Now, not many Muslims can handle uncertainty, doubt, and even questioning whether God even exists. Now, one of the great Islamic scholars, Al-Ghazali, did ask that question back in the time of the height of Islamic civilization. And I agree with Gada. Somewhere or other, we've got fossilized. We've got to think about epistemology, the way we know things, how we know things. We've got to think about even engaging with philosophy. We've actually sidelined philosophy for theology. And we need to rethink those things in terms of identity in, mod in the modern world. Now, we must be careful, 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 careful. Every single fundamentalist movement that I've studied in Judaism, Christianity is in Islam, is convinced that modern secular society is the enemy of religion and wants to wipe it out. So they, are, they feel that they're fighting, and Maududi certainly felt was that Muslims were fighting with their backs to the wall against a hideously uh, um, powerful force, um, and that they must exert all their efforts to, to, to counter this great threat to religion. Al-Qaeda is trying to do two things. They're trying to issue a wake-up call to Muslims saying, look, your entire religion and the Ummah, the Islamic community, is under threat, and therefore it's your duty as a Muslim to, uh, to rise up and resist this. And they're also trying to strike a blow of revenge. On my orders. Revenge. On my orders, the United States military has begun strikes. Something called Shahada. 
we are still victimized by a certain kind of culture based on the charisma. He become martyr, the savior. Martyrdom is what you want. The redeemer. Do the effort. The one man show. Clean your intention. The one party. Go forward, never look backwards. The one opinion. Make sure you have nothing left behind you to think about or to cry for. On the charisma. And fight the name of Deliver us, America, from evil. Do not think those that die for God are really dead, but rather they live in the shadow of God, in the paradise of Eden. The strangers, Canada, USA, France, Britain, have ceased to focus on the unknown, the mysterious, because they do not believe in God. 
Europe stopped believing in God, so why should I speak in our language? I will speak in their terms. I have land and the paradise of Eden. My land is occupied and I'm trying to liberate it. God is perfect. God is perfect. God is perfect. God is perfect. What would what would Jesus God do? is perfect. What would what would Jesus God do? Would Jesus perfect. think the torture is cool? They had this vision that they propagated through Islam in its purest form. So anything they encountered that differed from that vision was regarded as objectionable. I would rather we have an Islamic government. Basically, Islam is a way to organize life. I believe in any country which practices Islamic teachings as God had uh, sent it down to us, we wouldn't have any problems really. I remember asking my Saudi friends, what do these people want? All fundamentalism in Judaism, Christianity and Islam is becoming more extreme right now. And we're all, almost getting what I would call post-fundamentalist uh, groups, people who believe they're going beyond the fundamentalism that erupted so strongly during the 1970s uh, into a new, more desperate phase. And I think something like this is happening here. What has puzzled you most about God? What has puzzled you most about God? Well, I've always been puzzled about him because and the Lord saw the tower which the children of men builded, and he was displeased, saying to himself, this thing is not good. One of the most impossible and memorable images of that day were people leaping out of the windows, being forced out by the fire behind them, driving them, herding them out the windows. And to see that image of two people, co-workers, you know, strangers, I had no idea, but that not knowing made it all the more poignant for reaching out for somebody's hand to take your last step that you would end your life in the hands of a stranger, plummeting thousands of feet to your death. To me, the idea of standing on a ledge of the 80th floor of a high rise and look at a woman or a friend and hold hands and say, we are going to like fly down and die together now holding hands. It's something that is so beyond uh, my courage that the power of that image 
is it doesn't give an answer. You know how many times I have actually visualized myself in that situation since that happened. It takes us in two opposing directions. And I can't even imagine how to do that. On the one hand, we are all alone at the end. Life is fleeting. There's no one to help us when we face the abyss. And there wasn't. No one came for that. I mean, I'm sure that there is so many religious people asking themselves questions. Did they hear a voice? Did they hear a calling? Did they see a beautiful garden with rivers and lakes down there? Was their pain so much that some device that we don't know about that we have inside ourselves, some spiritual device, just triggered on and all of a sudden it was heaven? And on the other hand, they reached for each other. They said that in that moment when they're facing the absolute ultimate, there are other human beings to reach out, to be there, to help them, to help us. Already before they jumped, and they were just jumping into something beautiful. Because I tell you, I could not do it. Something special must have been going on because a lot of them jumped. This thing is not good. There are other human beings There are other human beings. There is no God! There are other human beings. There is no God! To reach out, to be there, to help them, to help us. like a sort of nihilism here, um, as though fundamentalism is moving into what we call an antinomian phase. Antinomian phase. It means that you uh, ignore all law um, and sort of trample on all values. If you are killing and massacring thousands of innocent people, you've lost all sense of law and in various moments of history when people are feeling extremely desperate, uh, this religious extremism, and uh, there are various examples of this in the past, can tip over into a complete nihilism where all law, even your sacred religious law, is something that you trample on in your desire to get to a new phase. 
as the plus, in the plus, or as God, you will see only the good you desire. As the minus, or as a human being, you will see the evil, and in most cases, favor your attention towards the evil. No doubt you've seen the subtle attempts by the media to link conservative Christians with Muslim radicals. Unlike Muslim fundamentalists, we will continue to use the means and methods that freedom affords. Freedom that rests upon the foundation of Christianity. Thank you, Tony. have faith. Makes might right. Well, nigh perfect. A little firmer in this faith you're expressing, maybe, please. Let us have right faith. That makes faith right might. Right might makes faith might. Right. Let us have faith. That faith makes might right. I like that practically it with one last thought. There's a note of pleading in that last, seemingly. Right. And make it more a positive statement of your belief. Take five. Let us have faith that makes might right might. Up a little more, just a little more firmness. Let us have faith that right faith makes might mighty right. And just a little quieter expression of your faith, not quite, you don't need to project it. Let us have right faith that makes us have right might that makes might right. That was very good. I don't mean to wear you out. I'd like to take one more go around. Let us have faith that faith might make might right might that might make might right. Once more, please, with the thought that you're completely confident of your trust in divine providence and you're very firm in your faith at the end. Shall we try once more? Right. Let us have faith that makes faith mighty. Right faith that makes us have right might that makes faith right faith right to the end. Just the last faith it broke apart a little. Uh, That's right. No more flow right there. Right. Let us have faith that right faith makes might mighty mighty right. Faith makes us right, and in that might, in that right, have faith. Let us have. One last time, the whole section five, so you get a momentum up. Right. And give me a finale that is a little more 
conscious of being a finale, in other words, not projected, but a little firmer in this faith you're expressing. Maybe try it one last time. Is there anything? Let us have faith that mighty faith makes us mighty right. And in that right faith, let us have mighty might that faith makes mighty right might. You're listening to It's All In Your Head FM, just a stone's throw away from infidelity. This is deprogramming from the Universal Media Network. when we're unhappy with ourselves. Slow down. When we feel torn with our, among ourselves, when we don't know whether we're religious or, or secular, or, 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 or as many people in the Islamic countries who do feel split. Enough. Enough, enough, enough. This is changing too fast for me. And that they belong in neither East nor West. I can't keep up. This kind of conflict is very often projected onto the other. I can't keep up. Um, uh, Christians did this way back at the time of the Crusades when we were fighting a brutal holy war in uh, the Middle East against Muslims. I can't keep up. Uh, something which in no way could be justified by the peaceful gospel of Jesus Christ. You just can't drag people into the 21st century by, by the scruff of the next. You can't do that. We, we, there was a, we were, in a sense, at war with our Christian selves, but we then said, it's Islam that is the violent, intolerant faith, and we must fight it to the death, and that it's the enemy. So there's a projection uh, going on there. And similarly, much of the classical Western phobia about Jews was, uh, was similarly based on uh, worry, buried anxiety about Christian behavior, Christian beliefs. And I think you're quite right, there's something of that sort going on here, that people, especially in developing countries, were torn, as I say, between East and West, uh, tend to project all that hatred onto an enemy that they can define and feel and, and categorize as absolutely evil, and therefore out of the cast of any form of human consideration. Holy is the Holy Land. Just how holy is the Holy Land. 
Well, I was trying to use a belt bomb. Just how holy is the Holy Land? Well, I was trying to use a belt bomb. Just how holy is the Holy Land? I was trained to use a belt bomb, which is basically a belt with explosives. They used a connecting button that they put on my right hip for me to push. I was to do this only when I could see a lot of people gathered together in a crowd and I had managed to get into it. They're, they're told in, in, in religious language, you know, and enter with peace and tranquility because you're one step away from going to paradise, that you're about to carry out God's mission. And so there, there are reports of suicide bombers uh, observed just before they hit the switch with a big smile on their face. I don't know if that's true, but I've heard reports of that sort. And one can imagine that if you really, really submit to the ideology, uh, that you may well convince yourself that you're about to take the trip of your life. It was only then I was to push the button and explode myself. <laughs> To be a martyr, all you need is strength of will and character and to have strong faith. When I made the decision to take this belt and use it and explode myself, I was already prepared. I had to know where the target was and I needed someone to take me to the target because I'm a girl. I decided to target a pizza restaurant, but I can't remember the name of the place. I decided to go and blow myself up in the evening hours when people are going back home from work and there would be a big crowd of people around the target area. children especially at that time of the day. I don't target women and children in particular. I don't target any particular group or person. I just do what is needed. They didn't care about killing our women and children. 
other women your age are raising children today? Raising children and having a family is a kind of jihad because this strengthens society and raising children in a good way is an important thing. If you could today, would you go into that crowd and blow yourself up? The way I see it is that the Jews weren't merciful with my nation. I don't have anything against Israeli children, but I know there is a possibility that an Israeli child could grow up and one day come to kill my son or my neighbor's son. Therefore, I feel he should be dead now. That's because... Therefore... That's because... Therefore... Therefore... That's because... Therefore, I feel he should be dead now. That's because, that's because they believe that they're not going to die. Anybody who really believed that they were going to die, I don't think would do that. I think you have to have a strong belief in these phantasmagorias called afterlives, whether it's uh, you're going to be surrounded by 70 virgins or whether you're going to go to Valhalla or the Happy Hunting Ground or Avalon or Purgatory or Hades or uh, any of the land of the dead, any of these extraordinary myths that have arisen in every single culture in the world to try to ameliorate the terrifying terror of death. Just how holy is the Holy Land? So that uh, your idea of God was what? As so often down here. Your sister? We'll have a reunion. Your brother? Let us have faith. Your mom? Faces are made. Let us have faith. Your dad? Have gone on to Let us have faith. A good They'll friend? Be there Your child? Till the trumpet shall sound. Let us have faith. Now think of their terrible fate if they die without Civilization is perpetually threatened with disintegration. Instinctual passions are stronger than reason. Civilization has to use its utmost efforts in order to set limits to man's aggressive instincts. A video of his beheading was put out on the internet. Think of the excess of brutality, cruelty and mendacity which is now allowed to spread itself over the civilized world. Over the civilized world. Over the civilized world. Catholicism is as Catholicism Over does. Civilized world. Judaism is as Judaism does. And by God, Islam as is Islam does. People misinterpreting left and right 
and, and giving a sense of, you know, well, this is the way it's supposed to be. And you've got people that are just, you know, kind of being pulled along with that. And it's completely unfair. It's completely un-Islamic. We all are in this cultural trance. want to basically go back, um, they want to go back in time to a purer world, um, to an Islam that wasn't threatened by the West and where the words of the Prophet, as, as they believe it today, ruled. Um, and I said, well, how do they practically plan to achieve that in modern Saudi Arabia? Are they going to tell everybody to get rid of their cars and stop watching the television? He said, yes, so far as I know. That's what they want, and uh, uh, they have this hopeless attitude to the modern world. They were asking the nation and people to go back to the original Islam in primitive ways. So they were against television, they were against schools, they were against universities. They just want the country to be governed by mullahs, by religious cabals. They didn't believe in governments. They think government is Catholic, it's not Muslim any longer. They believe that all the new methods and means of life is nothing. They want, again, like the, all the Khwan, they wanted, what they wanted is jihad against the devil. You know, this is how you know you're dealing with a true fundamentalist, because fundamentalists always believe that whenever whenever they impose their sacred rules, their sacred texts, and it doesn't go as planned, never blame the rules. You always blame that the rules were not imposed strictly enough. You know, this is what they have in common with the Taliban. It's like somebody's ankles are showing. That's the problem. To live a Jewish life, to live a Jewish life, Judaism is it. Judaism does it. And by God, by God, they came from far away. Hope was in their hearts and Israel. To live a Jewish life. Jacob. Shaped by an insulated religious Jewish environment, I was brought up in the, in the experience that Judaism was the truth, that this is the true way and the right way. And that way was vouchsafed to, to Jews exclusively. If our justification for being there is that God sent us, then the Arab justification, the Islamic justification, is that the Quran has said that any land to which the Quran spread is inalienable. It's Dar al-Islam. That therefore means that we are in a permanent religious quarrel. It's our absolute against their absolute.
Do what is upright and good in God's eyes so that he will be good to you. You will then come and occupy the good land that God promised your fathers. As God promised, he will repulse all of your enemies before you. If you are in a religious quarrel, you cannot compromise. There's been a controversy, I suppose, over the centuries about the notion of the Jews as the chosen people. What does that do to Jewish beliefs about others and their relationship with God? Now, so long as we're going to insist that we have a religious right to the land of Israel, then even Jimmy Carter will tell us that that isn't what his uh, Southern Baptist teaching has taught him. The Jews have a religious right to the land of Israel, provided they turn Christian. One of the most popular radio voices from nowhere. When it comes to blunting your taste for the normal, we're on the grinding edge. The Universal Media Network. I don't know, baby. Maybe it's hard. Plug up your ears and cover up your eyes because it's all in your head FM. Our resulting humility sets us free to ponder God's will without any obligation to toe a dictated line. Quote, let there be no compulsion in religion, states a voice in chapter 2 of the Quran. Quote, unto you your religion, unto me my religion, echoes another voice in chapter 109. And in between there is this, quote, if God had pleased, he would have made you all one people, but he has done otherwise. Ain't that the truth? They won't give up their salvation by blood. And I think a religion who drinks blood every day, the priests, is a religion for cannibals. And so I really uh, think we ought to listen what Jesus said before they killed him and not believe that the crucifixion is the thing we are saved by because they are addicted to a bloody, cruel death. 
by this dress, death, they are redeemed, they believe. And I say that is pagan pre-Christian atrocity story of sacrifices of first-born uh, son turned into Christian good news. All right, I can't stand that anymore. So why is it that important to draw these differences as opposed to building bridges of commonality? Because Jesus said, nobody comes unto the Father but by me. In other words, if eternity is real, if heaven and hell are real, then these issues are eternal matters. And I'm just not willing. I mean, we're in a culture now where the only heresy is to believe in heresy. I believe there are many things that Muslims, Jews, Christians, Moonies, anybody can unite on, ethics and such. But when it comes to truth, when it comes to eternity, Jesus Christ alone is the anchor of our soul, is the one who lets us into heaven, the one who brings us into heaven by his shed blood. And so this is eternally important. I'm not necessarily so focused on uh, temporal events and temporal, temporal fights uh, that I would neglect the fact that we're going to be dead a whole lot longer than we're going to be alive. But then would that mean you would be, would be proselytizing Jews, but in general, Christians don't do that so much with... No, no, Osama bin Laden calls us evil. I, I read this morning his letter to America from a couple, last year. It was powerful stuff. Half of it sounded like ravings of a lunatic, but half of it sounded really powerful criticisms of America, American foreign policy, American place in the world. He calls us evil. George Bush calls him evil, right? What does that do? They're like implacably opposed to each other. And how about you, Cootie? What is your idea of God? Right? Evil is something you have to resist, you can't compromise with, you have to extinguish. Now, but the question you might ask is, isn't that just a rhetorical device to express your, your opposition to another? Who well, knows who's right here? That's what goes back to Amy Stanton's uh, psychiatrist who said, look, uh, it's just a way of rationalizing uh, our resentment for other people so that we don't even have to consider what their motives or judgments were. We just treat them as something beyond, beyond. Jews. Uh, but I don't know. I think some people ought to be treated beyond, beyond. Well, and they should. I, I, I'll go even farther, Miss Deborah, if you would. Um, I, if you use the word proselytize, um, I proselytize Baptists. I mean, I'm a Baptist. I happen to be one. But being a Baptist doesn't make you a Christian. Why is it so difficult? God will not ask me any of those questions. This is wrong because we as Christians do not need an Osami bin Laden leading us. He will ask me, what did I do with the God-man, Christ Jesus, and his offer of salvation? Why is it so difficult? That's it. You can imagine what Abu Dhab thought when his very own nephew, Muhammad, started telling the Quraysh that their idol worship was wrong. Why is it so difficult to draw uh, Muslims into the streets to demonstrate massive human rights abuses that are happening against other Muslims, and never mind Jews and Christians, in the name of our God? It's, it's, a, very, it's a very prickly issue because, you know, every, every faith group says our, our path is right. In the name of our God. I mean, as, as, as Muslims, the Qur'an is pretty clear. It says the concept of Trinity, the concept of Jesus being God and divine is not correct. In my brain, I feel it. In my Quite brain, I feel it. Frankly, 
I think at the end of the day, it is politically correct and safe, physically and otherwise, to be protesting something that comes out of a Western country, whether it's France, whether it's America, but politically unsafe and physically unsafe within our own communities, in Muslim communities, to be, to be protesting our own violations of human rights. lead the fight against the stoning of women in, uh, in uh, the world of Islam, against murder, against torture, um, you know, against, uh, against slavery in countries that are ruled by Islamist regimes. So I think there's a lot of double standards here that we Muslims have to own up to. Reform means obviously not taking the Quran literally, but it also means not taking multiculturalism literally. Whether in fact in mainstream Islam, it is okay to be questioning the divinity of the Quran in terms of uh, rediscovering the very basis on which our pluralistic society is built, which is freedom of expression and engagement. Why? 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 It seems here though that we've got, by his own words, a uh, uh, irreconcilable difference between Christianity and Islam. Why? What is everyone so afraid of? Have some guts. What is everyone so afraid of? Have some guts. We've got to step up to the plate as individual Muslims and say, enough is enough. I'm taking back my faith. Sure, sure, guys, we're, running out of, we're running out of time that's here. What? That, you know, that, uh, I don't harp on that uh, on that difference yeah. because the, uh, yeah, I understand. We're, I mean, we're running out of time. I just have to wrap it up and say I, I understand where you're coming from. I, there are these differences. There are these distinctions, and and I think you know I, I see um, irreconcilable differences between these faiths in many ways, in the way God is characterized, and the way Jesus is perceived, and so forth. And I think if there's one thing we can agree on, that uh, that's the kind of conversations that ought to be taking that place. Is the, so. That is the most important thing. Okay. Absolutely. Well, Deborah and, and, and that's what we're all about on Belief. That is trying to get people to talk to each other. Uh -huh. it's, it's the only way. Well, I disagree with Marsha, Charlene, and Trudy. However, along with Islam and Christianity, Judaism does insist that some turgid and contradictory and sometimes evil and mad texts, obviously written by fairly unexceptional humans, are in fact the word of God. 
I think that the indispensable condition of any intellectual liberty is the realization that there is no such thing. What is the one question you most want to see answered? How does subjective consciousness work? How does it evolve? What's going on? When I have my own private feelings and you have your own private feelings, what happens when I see something red? What, what is it that makes the redness? What is it that makes the smell of onions? What is it that gives the, 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 the subjective sensation that I know I have and I suspect you have, but I can never know what's going on inside your head? Visit our website, www.wayofthemaster.com. This is the modern world. And the other possibility is that this is a modern world. That it's something that really is not going to be explainable in the way that in we understand physical explanation. It really is kind of beyond us. They miss the point so handily to, to get there. And I will. You're saying forever. I'm saying forever. Yeah. It's so very difficult to get. They succeed perfectly. And you never get close. I mean, nobody's gotten close. You can read anything you want. There's this is the modern world. Just there's nothing that's gotten close to making that translation. This is the modern world. My hunch is we're gonna. I'm sort of sitting here waiting for a genius. I really am. Yeah, it sounds kind of dumb. This is the modern world. But we need somebody who is gonna be able to get it. You know, just to get it. But there are lots of religious people who think we don't have to get it, you know, that it's just, your brain is just there and it, everything that you think is actually ethereal. I mean, I mean, but, you're, 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 but you're almost suggesting that the explanation is, is beyond science. It's beyond, I think, the way we, we do science now, yeah. There may be something out there, but it certainly isn't any god of ours. If there was a god, instead of telling crazy people to drown their own children like kittens, why wouldn't he remind them to take their medication? If this long overdue realization hits your true false button, we invite you to join us. It's All in Your Head is not just a philosophical lifestyle. It's a useful tool in any post-science thinking. You do do that, don't you? 
Are you tired of supernatural demands for unquestioning belief under the threat of some looming hell when all you really want to do is have a good life and the here and the now on the slopes of Boulder? Well then, forgetting the title of this show is the worst thing you can do. Oblivious complacency will get you nowhere smoothly. We are not a threat to anything that makes sense. He's right. For instance, you don't have to give up the brilliantly self-evident wisdom of the Golden Rule in order to give up monotheism. Do you have any reason to believe these two concepts require each other in order for them to function in our affairs? Do you realize how much unnecessary self-induced trouble the human race is actually in? Mental, Mental trouble! It's the curse of those familiar trials and tribulations that have always accompanied regional fundamentalist beliefs in ethnic gods of judgment, always infinitely empowered as they are by human superstitious absolutism. What we've got here is an evolving animal with a conflicted head, attributing its own internal impulses to something it imagines to be external. Well, for now, all the good and all the evil, all the worst and all the best we'll ever need are contenders for selective control inside our very own brains. But these brains are also advancing a different, extra-natural way of existing that is no longer welded to nature's amoral rules of survival. We carry a moral and ethical awareness unique to our level of intelligence on this planet, and we have begun to make our own rules. It's still just the beginning. But if this sounds great to the evolutionary optimists out there, forget it. We're not going to get rid of our genetically entrenched primate instincts and impulses anytime soon, and maybe not completely forever. And watch out what you wish for anyway, because we are completely inexperienced at predicting what evolution should be doing. Hindsight is the only possible view we have within our own evolution of higher consciousness because we're the first thing it's ever happened to here. So what will become of us? Well, we don't know about others, but One World Advertising is advertising the fact that nobody knows. But let's resist all negative spin and assume our spiritual awareness probably does have a wiser future to come. But for now, we're just saying, wherever the human spirit may go, responsibility for it will be entirely on our own heads, within which it all is. Maybe he's right. Maybe there is something the matter with me. God. Is it natural fact or was it unnatural fiction? This decision is your heads to decide. And if it does, you will. And if we're right, the next step will be yours, each and every one of you, to carry the Headite philosophy, it's all in your head, to carry it out of this chapel to all those in Boulder who were unable to attend this broadcast. Thank you for supporting Carry Out Philosophy, Thank you for supporting the future. This has been It's All in Your Head, FM.
This is the weatherman speaking. Thanks for listening. Well, did you have an idea about God? No, I never did. Well, have you an idea about God now? No. To create is divine. To reproduce is human. Man Ray. Thank you very, very much.